everyone, and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where we talk about strange things that have happened in history. I'm Amelia Edwards, and with me is my co-host, co-worker, colleague, Barnaby King. Compatriot. Comrade. Of the workers. Yay! Workers of the world, unite. You have nothing to lose but your headphones. Uh, because we're on a podcast, see? Ah, uh, see, that I really was... didn't work. <laughs> that didn't work at all. I was thinking, well, you've got nothing to lose but your beers because oh, yes. behind me, <laughs> um, Barnaby is a home brewer. Yep. And he has been making the liveliest beer that you can ever imagine. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a problem. So I, I this is... We've had a few attempts at recording this one because mm-hmm. we've been having some sound trouble. Neither of us are sound engineers. And so we're kind of just working it out as we go. Hopefully this is all working out and you're hearing this with perfect clarity. Um, but, but we have got this beer in the background. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. I am not farting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so because of our multiple attempts meant that I thought, you know, I've got some time. I'll put a new beer onto brew. So I put it on and it is ridiculous. Uh, So for those who aren't homebrewers, you can measure the gravity of the beer and use it to determine basically how alcoholic it is. And the gravity is like kind of how dense it is. Mm -hmm. And this was twice as dense as I was expecting. So assuming it gets down to the right level... It should be about 10%. Or we'll basically have some kind of real thick Marmite going on. Yeah. Delicious liquid Marmite. Mm. Mm. I mean, I like Marmite, but no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not drinking a pint of Marmite. I mean, Marmite is already a liquid, so maybe you just well, need to thicken it up a bit. I mean, fair, yes. <laughs> but this is an IPA. I don't think that's really Marmite worthy. No. It's a bit, it, it should be light. Or this one may be light, but also hits you like a hammer. We'll see. So anyway, away from the beer, though that's, yeah, the reason for that is just if you hear bubbling in the background, it's not our stomachs, it's not your stomach, it's my brew. Yeah. It's on the go. Yep. <laughs> so why, ha- what, what, what story have you brought for us today? Well, okay. So I've been thinking about- Weave our- that tail. <laughs> Let me speak. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so- no, I am man. I must interrupt you for you are woman. <laughs> Okay, thinking about them though, mm-hmm. I think we need to celebrate the fact that Trump is no longer president Woo! by talking about some fake news. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, is the fake news the allegations of voter fraud? Because I've been following this very closely. No, no, we're going to do fake olds rather than fake news. And oh. let's talk about our source material. Okay. Okay, so I think that we rely way too much on the internet for our history that um, we use on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, but it's expensive to like buy loads of history books. <laughs> That's true. It is expensive to buy books. Uh, how do you normally make sure that your blogs or whatever you look at are <laughs> accurate? I mean, I try not to use blogs too much. What I generally do is I start off just doing some basic research so that I've got an idea of what's going on, usually with something like Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. And then I start diving into other sources and sometimes that is blogs uh sometimes it's like proper scholarly papers Mm -hmm. but basically i keep having a look around and i sort of try and aggregate all the various things together so if there's something like really weird yeah i try and get it from as many sources as i can 
to sort of, you know, back it up a bit. Okay, that's reasonable practice, I would say. Yay! Um, And luckily, the history that I want to talk about today um, also uses lots of sources. Nice. Um, This is the founding of Britain. Ooh, How much do you know about the founding of our great and fair and glorious Isle of Britain? Um, Well, I know that when Britain was founded, it was wonderful and free, and Mm -hmm. then... Uh, about 2,000 years before the Romans came, um, we were forced to join the EU <laughs> and we've been shackled to it ever since. And now we're finally free. Hashtag go Brexit. Okay. Interestingly, <laughs> the... Um, <laughs> interestingly, the that, his- that was so mature of me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're alienating quite a lot of potential audience, but hey-ho. Wow. So, I'm actually going to talk about um, the Historia Regum Britanniae, mm-hmm. which was written by Geoffrey of Monmouth in 1136. Okay. And he's actually all for us becoming part of a European con- um, a European nation. Nice. Uh, granted, he thinks that we should conquer the rest of Europe. Well, that was very much in vogue for Britain for many centuries. I think it still is, let's be honest. Well, I mean, yeah... Um... Yeah, I was thinking about today about how like we have this we still have this weird like imperial attitude. Yeah. Despite the fact that, you know, not really that relevant anymore. Don't be silly. We are important. <laughs> we were important. We Shh. had good reign. We are important. We're just we're just having a blip. Okay. A so, blip called Boris Johnson. <laughs> no, no, no. We can't blame this on Boris. Let's blame it on feminists or something. I don't know. Okay. I'm gonna blame it on Nigel Farage. Okay. Oh, I'm going to alienate all the people. (laughs) I will have nice discussions if you want to actually talk about it. You random audience person. That was weirdly sincere of me. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Shall we get on to the story? Yeah. Are you you ready for that? Yeah, I'm ready for that. Geoffrey of Monmouth wrote the Historia Regum Britanniae in 1136. The history of the... Kingdom of Britain? The history of the kings of Britain. Oh, damn it. My Latin was out just a bit. Because, obviously, Britain has a history of great kings. History in those days is the story of great men. Right, yeah. So, Geoffrey claims that he translated this from a previous history of Britain, Mm -hmm. which was written in the British language. Ooh. So, what we're thinking here is, uh, like... Geoffrey of Monmouth was writing during the time when everyone was still speaking Norman French, mm-hmm. um, if they were, you know, highborn. Yeah. Um, he translated it into Latin, actually. Right, as you do. As you do. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Gotta make sure them proles can't read it. <laughs> he's thinking about the British language before the Anglo-Saxons came to Britain. Right. So, uh, sort of Gaelic... Um, Celtic, Celtic, Welsh, Cornish, Cornish type yeah. language. All those sort of yeah, those those early languages that are are still spoken in many mm-hmm. places, but you know, uh, not prevalent. Not prevalent. No. no. Um, and Geoffrey of Monmouth was kind of unique as being a as being one of the speakers of the British languages that, at this time. Right. So it kind of got brought to him to yeah. translate, according okay. to him. Um. Now the good thing is that there are also other sources. Mm-hmm. Um, that use or that reflect the same story as right. Geoffrey of Monmouth, so we know it's true. So, for example, there is the Wace 
Brute, which was written by a man called Wace, um, which was written very shortly after Geoffrey of Monmouth's version. Mm -hmm. And the version I want to talk about is an updated version. Okay. So people were clearly looking at this work and seeing where things were true and where things weren't, and they like changed things around. Yeah. So this one was created in the 14th century, and it was called the Prose Brute. Right. As opposed to the the Weiss? Weiss? The Weiss one. The Weiss I can't brute. remember what that one... Uh, yeah, the Weiss Brute. And then there were also some um, poetic Welsh versions right. as well. Why Brute? Uh, brute... Were they, were they just very unpleasant? It's short for Britain. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I would have thought Brit. No, no. It's short <laughs> for Britain. And you will see why. Okay. Later on. Fair enough. Well, spin us a tale then, story weaver. I shall do. So the history of Britain actually starts in Syria. Okay. In the 3,970th year of the world. Year of the world? Of the world. Okay. So after the world was created, it lasted 3,970 years, and Mm. then we start the history of Britain. And then suddenly, boom, people in Syria. No, they were already there. Oh, okay. But they weren't in Britain. Right. Is the okay. point. Okay, right, right, right. Um, which I think makes sense because we know from our Bible studies that, <laughs> well, you know, we sit down every Thursday night, we have a good read of the Bible, <laughs> we discuss its meanings. Um, so we know that a lot of early peoples started off in the Middle East um, in places like, you know, Mesopotamia and Babylon and, mm-hmm. um, of course, like the desert where Judaism comes from. Yeah. Like, like it's quite big. I think they started off somewhere in the Middle East. I don't know. Like, mm. That general region. Yeah. So we're, we're not we're not a geography podcast. We're, uh, we're a history <laughs> podcast. God damn it. So we start off with King Diocletian of Syria. Okay, Diocletian. Diocletian. That's a good name. It is a good name. It's also the name of a Roman emperor. Uh, I thought it sounded more familiar. Yeah, it's not that Diocletian, though, for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I believe he was much later. He was. (laughs) Although, thinking about that, I was just thinking about it in context of, what was it, 3,973 years after? 70. 70. Years after the world was created. Right, okay. Do they have a date for when the world was created? The zeroth year of the world, Yeah, okay, but I mean in, in the common era or BC, like... No. Okay, so maybe maybe this was near the other Diocletian. Maybe it was last Tuesday. It's not. I okay. checked. Right, okay. Because we can date it backwards right. um, based on the things that happened later in the story. Okay, fair enough then. So. So it wasn't last Tuesday. It wasn't last Tuesday. Cool. It was a long time ago before anyone lived on the <laughs> island of Britain. galaxy far, far away. <laughs> <laughs> in a country far, far away. <laughs> so Diocletian has had 33 daughters. Jesus. I know. He was a busy man. Doesn't say. Hmm. Why bother? They're just women, (laughs) Barney. Well, I was just wondering, if it was just the one wife, then Jesus, that poor woman. I'm going to assume more than one wife. Yeah. We're at a point, I think, in the Bible where it's still good to go on... um, The many wives. The many wives. Who am I thinking of who had like 100 wives? Uh, Abraham. No, he had two. Did he? I thought he had many. I'm sure he had two. Who am I thinking about? I don't know. 
that king solomon king oh, solomon, solomon had 101 yes no you're right you're right yeah yeah okay so i think we're still good oh, to I go i need to do more of that thursday bible study i mean that would actually <laughs> if it's king solomon and his hundred wives if diocletian also had a hundred wives then it would only be like one daughter win within every three wives so you know yes yeah, you're actually begin. you're not getting a good return on your investment there no are your wives producing too few daughters <laughs> you may be entitled to compensation <laughs> Call claims direct. <laughs> no okay. win, no daughters. <laughs> what? Are we paying you in daughters? Yeah, oh, of, course. of course. That's the only currency that matters right now. That's why you're so concerned that your wives are not having enough daughters. Oh, of course. It's not about lineage, because you only need, like, a few. Yeah. Like, you need one, and you need a few spares in case that one dies. You, um, you don't even need one daughter, though. Well, I mean... You They're need... all spare. Yeah. So... Luckily, uh, so Diocletian has been uh, spending his daughters freely, uh, giving them away to um, various different kings. How much is that loaf of bread? Why, it will be an arm of your daughter, sir. Um, wonderful, excellent, much cheaper than it was yesterday. <laughs> oh, God. I now have to subdivide more daughters. That is turning real grim. Yeah, it's kind of bluebird. Bluebird. Bluebeard-ish. I guess so. Okay, so he's been marrying off all his daughters to mm-hmm. different kings. Yeah. Um, he must have been pretty relieved once that was all over, because that is a lot of, you know, tactician, I guess. Yeah, and the fact that they were living in a one-bedroom flat in South London, and there was only one bathroom. Can you imagine? Uh... Ah, sitcom hijinks! <laughs> oh dear, poor Diocletian. And he's, you know, he's just hard done by... Yeah. Yeah, his daughters constantly nag him. Mm-hmm. And his wives and as well. Wives, the hundred yeah. wives of Diocletian that we decided he has. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they all nag him and he's just trying... He just wants to sit back and watch the football because, you know, it's Saturday and he's he's back home from the mill in but, South London. <laughs> but all of his 33 daughters just want to go and get their hair styled. They want to go to the mall or oh, something. God. Women. Poor Diocletian. <laughs> Okay, God, so this is a hellish sitcom we've created. <laughs> so here's Diocletian. He's finally got all the girls out of the house. He sits back, relaxes, but then his youngest daughter comes forth to him and tells him of a terrible thing that's happened. Hello, are you going to be the youngest daughter? I am Maria. But you don't know what the terrible thing is that's happened yet. Uh, something terrible has happened, which you will find out about soon. Do you, do you want... No, okay, I'm, I'm not going to bring that character back for this. So. Okay, so what terrible thing does this youngest daughter bring? Well, she says that her oldest sister... Right. Albina. Albina? Albina. 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 <laughs> Sorry, I was about to remark... <laughs> I was about to remark it's an un- unusual name, but I, I do. we do actually know... Well, we don't personally know, but we know of someone called Albina... Do we? Albina Shagamuratova, the singer from uh, when we saw The Magic Flute. Oh my god, Albina Shagamuratova is actually amazing. Yeah. If you have an opportunity to hear her sing, she is gorgeous. <laughs> wow, we, okay, the middle classness has suddenly become oh, very, very strong in this episode. <laughs> we only listen to opera because it appeases our rabbit, okay? <laughs> That and because we once got very cheap tickets so that we could stand on a balcony and watch opera. That's true. If you're under 25 and you listen to this podcast and once lockdown's over, uh, go and get £8 tickets to see an opera. It is well worth it. Yeah. Uh, Well, see a good one. Because there are some really shit ones and, you know... 
people are going to be like, oh, all opera is wonderful. No, there no. are some really shit ones. See something good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got this youngest daughter. Yes. And she goes to her father and she yep. says, Father, your eldest daughter, Albina, has run off with a travelling band of opera lovers. If only it was that simple, because oh. what Albina's actually done right. is said, she doesn't want to be subservient to her husband anymore. Yes, go queen. And so she's decided that all her sisters should kill their husbands. <laughs> That's a bit... Ex- okay. <laughs> That's a leap. I mean, well, I guess divorce isn't a thing, but you know. Divorce isn't a thing. Your only option is straight up murder. <laughs> I feel like there are stages there that are, have been missed. Nope. Nope. Okay, straight to murder. Straight All to right. murder. Okay. <laughs> Albina. We've always known that she was a little bit strange. She used to set a lot of fires, yeah. She used to start a lot of murders. <laughs> I was being a bit more subtle about it, like the early signs of a serial killer, but no, you're straight up there with murder. Okay, so do you remember Anne Bonny? Uh, yeah, pirate. The pirate. And she, when she was a child, straight up murdered her English servant girl by stabbing yes, her. Yes, that's true. She was another one who went from zero to a hundred. But she was a dutiful daughter. So <laughs> you never know. Maybe Albina's been going around murdering everyone she doesn't like. Um, but, you know, apart from that, she's a really good daughter. But now she wants to murder her husband. And, and that's, that's just a not on. You don't murder men. No. So... Just servant girls. Just servant girls. Just like Elizabeth Bathory. Oh my god, this is such a theme. <laughs> Tie back to all our other episodes. Yeah. How can we bring Joe Gould into this? <laughs> we can't. He never murdered anyone. No, he didn't. But, but you did say earlier, or you, you may have done, I may have cut that, uh, <laughs> that we were talking about great kings and like history being about, you know, great men, and Joe Gould would be spinning in his grave. He would. Okay, so now we've managed to tie in major <laughs> podcast episodes. Diocletian decides he's going to punish his 32 evil daughters. They haven't done anything yet. Well, they were planning to murder their husbands, I I suppose. It's um, conspiracy to commit. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So he decides that he's going to punish them. He sets them out to sea in an unsteerable, rudderless boat. So like a plank of wood? I think it would have to be quite big. It's fitting 32 evil women in it. A long plank of wood. I guess. Um, maybe with a sort of sail on it, because they travel really uh, fast. Yeah, okay, yeah, to be fair, they didn't say it didn't have sails. Mm. I think it's got sails. Right. Um, and the reason I think it's got sails, and I think they're super sails, is that they managed to get from Syria mm. to the island which will, pre- which will later become Britain in three days. Bloody hell. Yeah. So they were speedboating it. So they had to go... Through the Mediterranean. Yes. Up round the coast of Spain. Yes. Up coast of France. Yes. And then towards the English Channel in England. Yes. And they did that in three days. Three days. Three Jesus days. Christ. I, okay. What did you say? Rudderless and... Rudderless and unsteerable. Unsteerable. But did it have like a jet engine or something on it? Apparently it did. Bloody hell. He, he invented the speedboat. He we, did. We didn't know this, but it was actually... Diocletian. Yeah, actually Diocletian. That's why it didn't have sails. It just had a great big motor. It did. <laughs> so once these ladies found this island, mm. they got out of their speedboat. <laughs> Sunglasses on, looking cool on the surf. and Albina Mm. who was obviously the first to step ashore and the oldest Mm. and the one who made all the plans like husband murder uh, decided she was going to call it Albion after herself oh right I've wondered about that before because we hear Britain being referred to as Albion Mm -hmm. but 
really, I've only ever heard that in context of football. And I don't really follow football. So. <laughs> well, it's called Albion in football. You get the football team. Mm. There's also the Scots word for Scotland, which is Alba. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. And you also have lots of references to Albion whenever King, Ar- King Arthur stories come up because yes. back in the days it used to just be an alternative name that you might use. Oh, okay. Do we know, like, when it stopped becoming quite so popular? I think we're probably thinking around, and I'm just talking off the top of my head yeah, here, I think we're, we're thinking around the Stuart era when we start to make... Mm. Great Britain into a thing. Right, okay. So they decide, you know, we've got too many names here. We're going to unify them into one. Yeah. And what are we going to call it? Well, Britain is obvious. Yeah, we're going to go mm-hmm. with that. And what do we think about it? Oh, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> you know what? Yeah, it's Great Britain. And uh, then conquest. And, and then colonialism. Conquest. <laughs> so, at first, these 32 sisters on Albion, they live on fruits and acorns, the things that they can forage. And fruits and acorns are really good for ladies. Yeah? Yeah, they're really good for you. Um, They keep you healthy. They keep you regular. And they (laughs) also mean that you don't feel prone to committing any lustful acts. Um, Why? Because it's... Like, this is something every medieval person knows. Right. Um, if you... So, in other words, it's bollocks. <laughs> this is verified fact. Of course. Okay. I, I do apologise. Why do acorns stop you getting it on? Well, it's fruit and acorns. Okay. And it's because when you eat meat, I think you get more red blood, like, going through your body, and that makes right. you want to have sex. So, we're going to sort of, like, humours territory here. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Okay, right. So acorns are good for calming you down. Meat is for getting you riled up. Yes. Right, okay. Also, guys, don't eat acorns. No, especially because nowadays some of them have horrible wasps in them. Yeah, that's true. We did discover about the horrible wasps like yeah. just this year, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We were on a run and uh, noticed. It's one of these things, uh, you notice it, you don't really think much about it, but sometimes you see acorns and they just look... It looks like a sort of fruit instead mm. of normal things. Like it's, it's kind gone. of mutated. Yeah, and so I decided, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google this because they always look interesting, and I never really think about them. And yet, it's because wasps. Yep, it's because there's wasp larvae that are hatching out of them. Yep, gross. So yep. don't eat <laughs> don't acorns, eat acorns, and definitely don't eat the mutant ones. No. You never know what's inside. Yeah. Also, if you then accidentally eat meat, wasp meat, then maybe. <laughs> Like you'd end up Phileo wasp. You'd end up feeling really lustful, so it would have the opposite intention. I don't think anyone who's just eaten a wasp is feeling <laughs> lustful. I think they're just feeling very sad. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um. So, however, these ladies like got bored of eating fruit and acorns, which I think is fair enough. Yeah, I'd be bored of that too. I mean, also, you're thinking about the acorn... The, sorry, the acorns. You're thinking <laughs> about the fruits that used to grow in medieval England. Right. And that's going to be very, very limited. Mm. And also probably not fully developed yet. Like no. apples took a long time to turn into something edible. And they'd also be quite small. Yes. Yeah. So I think these ladies probably just had constant stomach ache, to be honest. Yeah, that sounds about right. So they learned how to hunt. Mm-hmm. And obviously they start eating meat. 
Oh no! And it aroused their lecherous desires. Oh no! God damn it! I bloody know. bloody women and their lecherous desires. Yeah, this is a thing that happens a lot in medieval times. Mm. Um, is like they have this belief, which makes a little bit more sense than the way that some modern people act about it. I guess. Yeah. They have this belief that okay. Men are the ones that God has given all of the knowledge and understanding and things like that too, right? Hmm. So, obviously, women are the ones that are going to get really lustful and want to have sex all the time. Hmm. Um, because there is not necessarily a sort of idea of being moral as opposed to being smart, which comes around in the Victorian period, where women are supposed to be the moral ones, and right. men are supposed to be really smart, but also want to have sex. Right. Instead, in medieval times, it's the men are really smart, so they know not to have sex. <laughs> um, but the women are not very smart, and, like, just want sex all the time. Considering the hygiene habits of the people of the era, and if you're kind of being told, you know, you shouldn't be having sex, it's a miracle that our species survived. It really is, <laughs> yeah. I mean... If you look at the uh, growth rate of the of humanity, yeah. we've had a sudden upturn. Oh, yeah. Um, it's not really that surprising for lots of reasons that mm. we were quite low for a long time. Yeah. Anyways. Well, I mean, industrialization had a lot of mm. effect on that, but that's the topic for another time. It Damn is. you, industrialization. So, um, talking about, like, procreation, though. Yes. Um, obviously, there's no men on the island for them to enact their lustful desires on. So what could they possibly do? Is this going to get creepy and incestuous? No. Oh, thank God. Um, okay, so they're going to find the one person, the one man in all of Britain, mm-hmm. which is Nigel Farage. Yeah. Because he is eternal and he will always be here and he immediately demands that they leave because this is his land and it's full. <laughs> Oh my gosh, imagine if you had 32, like, Syrian <laughs> ladies and, like, high-born <laughs> ladies as well. <laughs> All approaching Nigel Farage and being like, please, Nigel, (laughs) we only have one thing we want. We'll share share our meat with you. And he's like, get lost, ladies. (laughs) Get lost, ladies. You need to get out of here. This is my land. (laughs) My God. I I don't know if that would be his dream or his nightmare. (laughs) I think it's both. Yeah, I think he's got a wild dream life, Nigel Farage. Yeah. So, it's not Nigel Farage that they have sex with. Okay, so no, no, no. No, no, no. Uh, Someone slightly better. It's the devil. Oh, much better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. If if you've got a choice between the two, I know which one I'd go for. (laughs) Or it might have been incubi, according to another source. That being male succubi. Yes. Right. Uh, Except the incubi are particularly famous for getting women pregnant. Ah. Yeah, okay, makes sense. Um, So, yeah, obviously, they got pregnant. They all got pregnant. And they gave birth to a race of giants. Giants? Yes. Okay. Like, uh, when we say giants, do we mean, like, Viking giants, where the term just kind of means, like, other people? Mm. Or do we mean, like, literal, very big, giant people? I think we mean both. Okay. Um, And there's a reason for that, because basically... In the medieval period, they Mm -hmm. really strongly believed there had been this race of giants that lived in Britain. Okay. Um, They've got all of this proof from manuscripts and stories. Mm -hmm. And they also had literal physical proof that giants had lived in Britain. Because they kept digging up these gigantic bones. Dinosaur bones? Yes. Okay. I guess that's as good an explanation as any. I mean, the alternative thinking that, you know... 
this is the bone of a giant reptile that used to wander the surface of the planet. Mm. It seems like, without any prior knowledge, seems just as crazy as this is the bone of a giant human who used to live on the planet. Well, when you think about um, people who study fossils nowadays and mm-hmm. um, they have to study incredibly hard to find out how to assemble these yeah. skeletons they're not necessarily just sort of frozen in place no i mean they've, they've got it wrong before yeah they're like what was that dinosaur that was really famous for a while was it like brachiosaurus yes. or something yeah but yeah it didn't and he didn't exist exa- he didn't exist no it was a diplodocus wasn't it yes and they or just, it was like, a mix of that yeah. and another skull yeah because it's really easy to mess that kind of thing up mm. so if you're not open to the possibility of dinosaurs, which they weren't mm-hmm. in medieval times. Makes sense. Um, then you find these gigantic bones, probably down on the Jurassic coast in Dorset. Dorset? And obviously you're going to be like, oh, giants. Yeah. Yeah. And also the thing was that they also did find actual giant skeletons. Oh, what? Okay, so I don't know why... But there seems to have been a reasonable number, like not may- maybe not many, yeah. but enough to sort of comment on, of Anglo-Saxon warriors who got dug up oh. um, and who were giants. Okay. So they'd be there with their like normal height companions, yeah. but they'd be wearing their armour and surrounded by all this gold, and they'd be, what, seven foot? Maybe eight foot? So, that does actually remind me of something, because uh, I, I did read something a while ago where it was believed that the uh, the remains of Ivar the Boneless had been found. Okay. Uh, Ivar the Boneless was one of the sons of Ragnar Lothbrok. And it was really hard to find his remains, because <laughs> like... He didn't really have anything no to fossilize. No one knows why he was called boneless. <laughs> there are so many different theories and most of them are relying on very dubious ideas. But anyway, anyway, uh, he was he was quite important. He possibly founded Ireland. Nice. Kind of as we know it. Yeah. Uh, well, Dublin, certainly. Um, and it was there, there was this person who believed that they'd found his remains. Okay. And he was something like seven, seven and a half feet tall. Yeah. I remember reading that and being like, nah, they've got something wrong there. But They did find these giant warriors, though. Okay. I guess the thing was that, like, is it giganticism when you have... Gigantism. Gigantism, thank yeah. you. Uh, I guess the thing was that gigantism existed mm. back in the day, and if you met somebody who had, like, that particular height and strength, yeah. then you would want to enlist them in your army. And that actually does make sense, because nowadays... As far as I'm aware, I may be wrong, listeners can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe uh, gigantism can be spotted quite early and is usually like treated early on with hormone therapies. Yeah, I think so. So you, rather than ending up with people who are, you know, giants, uh, they're just usually very tall. Yeah. Um, because there's so many illnesses and things that you can be prone to if you're yeah. actually a giant so it's not worth the health no. risks but but i mean that you know it is a disease that is not you know common but it's also not mm. uncommon that's true and the thing is that if you're going to die at the age of 30 in battle anyway oh, yeah. then it 
it's not really going to well... make that much difference to your life expectancy. Yeah. I'm not saying like stay off the hormones and die in battle. No, no, no. Um, I'm saying like if <laughs> you're saying that if you do, you're going to cut an impressive figure. Yeah, and people are going <laughs> to think that giants used to exist yeah. in like constantly in medieval England. So mm. okay, so that makes a lot of sense then. Yeah. So um, they've got this idea that giants existed. There's all this evidence to kind of back them up. Mm. Um, so yeah, giants used to rule England. Okay, I can see how that is, you know, quite a logical conclusion based on the evidence available at the time. Of course. Right. And we've got all these sources. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm not really thinking about them because in my mind I'm already going, okay, so this is going to be like based on some weird bollocks, right? Well, yes, of course it is. But <laughs> all I'm pointing out is we've got lots of sources. Yeah, sure. Yeah, this was, this was uh, like as known fact as evolution. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So... I'm going to leave the giants there. Oh, I was having fun. Oh, well, it's okay. We, we'll we, come back to we'll them. Play with them some more. We'll play with them more later. We'll play with them more later. Okay, giants, get back in your box. So You're the surprising gi- small box. <laughs> the giants get to rule Britain for 230-ish years. Okay, are they just very long-lived? Um, no, it's a race of giants. Ah, Jesus, those poor 32 daughters. Yes, I know. <laughs> um, so it's a race of giants. They just keep on living in Britain mm. um, they make their own tribes all that kind of thing okay they pick one of the smallest islands to be inhabited by giants it's like you could be in continental Europe you've mm-hmm. got the whole connected land masses of Africa and Asia as well nah we're gonna go with Britain yep <laughs> I don't I don't see what your problem is we've got some mountains <laughs> <laughs> yes we do have mountains we've got some we we got some i mean we got some caves we're, we're not going to compare them to like the himalayas but yeah. no 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 but you know we've got some mountains i'm Sorry. just saying of all the places that are going to be founded by giants yeah it would be the tiny little island yeah it definitely says something about our national psyche doesn't yeah it? right <laughs> <laughs> oh dear imagine if giants were like a porsche like, in terms of, like, things to suggest that you feel uncomfortable about something to do with yourself. <laughs> what? Oh, that didn't a fall Porsche? Right. Yeah, or, like, a really big car. Oh, a Porsche. Yeah. Right. You said a Porsche. Yeah, that's what they're called. I thought it was just Porsche. Oh, it's a Porsche. Oh, okay. I, I, have, I know basically nothing about cars, so... Well, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, um, 230-odd later. Yeah, later. yeah. Uh, let's once again move away from the island of Britain. Okay. And we're going to have a look at the newly founded city of Rome. Where Diocletian has been visiting and now has 68 daughters. Uh, Diocletian is very dead. Oh yeah, of course, 230 years. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. <laughs> um, but a person you might have heard of mm-hmm. visited, like, came and founded Rome mm-hmm. relatively recently, which is Aeneas. Ah. Of the Aeneid fame. Yes. Uh, which is Virgil. It is Virgil. Yes. And for those who are not in the Virgil know... Mm. um, For those who didn't have a classical education of Latin at secondary school. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, So Aeneas is supposed to have been this Trojan hero from the Trojan Wars. Mm -hmm. And when Troy was burned down by the Greeks, he and his family fled and eventually founded the city of Rome. Hooray! So, we're a little bit later than that because mm-hmm. Brutus, our hero, is going is the great-grandson of Aeneas. 
Right, okay. This isn't Brutus as in Julius Caesar. No, this is no. still way too I was early. Say, yeah, that, that, the time doesn't quite work out there. Well, you've not even got out of having kings in Rome yet. Oh, wait, Brutus. Yeah. So is that why you like Bruton? Yeah. Than Britain? The Brute is ah. the story of Brutus. Okay, right, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you on it now. Yeah. Oh, I'm catching up. Um, so. Here's Brutus. Before he was born, his grandfather, Ascanius, had commanded his wizards to tell him... <laughs> What's funny about commanding your wizards? I just think it's it, it's something we're really missing from today, having the ability to command your wizards. I know. <laughs> like, I wish. I wish that, like, I was just doing, like, a mundane task of that and I could command a few wizards to do something for me. <laughs> I mean, Brexit would have been a very different thing if people could just <laughs> command their wizards to tell them what the outcome would be. <laughs> so, the, the problem with wizards, though, is that they always give you the answer that you want to hear and then they over-deliver. Right, okay. So, he's commanded his wizards to tell him what sex the child will be. Okay. Which is the best method of finding out what the sex of your child is <laughs> going to be. We're not going to do a gender reveal party that burns down large yeah. swathes of California. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to do one of those nice little scans. Oh, like ultrasound. Ultrasound uh, with, you know, holding hands. No, we're going to use <laughs> wizards and we're going to use magic and we're going to find out what sex this child is going to be. So, Mrs. Johnson, do you want to find out the sex of your baby? Oh, yes, please. Yes, please. Now, I'll just get the ultrasound ready. Okay, now what I just need to do here is sacrifice this goat. <laughs> okay, that is done. And I need to call Brabilius. Enter and scry the entrails. It's a boy. Thank you, Brabilius. Meanwhile, this poor woman has just fainted on the floor because <laughs> there's entrails everywhere, which is not what you want to see when you're pregnant. No. I mean, you don't really want to see entrails at the doctors anyway. Well, that's true. <laughs> but yes. And these wizards overcomplicate things because not only do they say it's going to be a boy, yeah, but they also say he will kill his father and mother, be banished, and will finally arrive in the highest pitch of glory. Wow, they were really looking to get fired. Right? Like, that is not a way to win <laughs> friends and influence people. No. Oh, wizards. <laughs> So, what's my child going to be? Well, he's going to be a boy and he's going to murder you. Maybe that wizard... Okay, maybe that was it. That wizard was just really annoyed that day. He was just really grumpy. Like, he had other things to do. So, he was like, hey, hey, have you worked out the sex of my boy? Of my... My boy? <laughs> yes, it's a boy. <laughs> have you worked out the sex of, my, of the child? Yes, it's a boy. Now, bugger off. Well, okay, this was his grandfather who was asking. Oh, and sorry, I, yes. I don't think he told his kids, like, it only told his, his son and daughter-in-law what right. the outcome was. Okay. Um, because you probably wouldn't at I that mean, point. Yeah, it does seem a bit irresponsible not to, but I guess... Like, it, it's, you don't it's mess a prophecy. You, you can't, yeah. no. Uh, so, like, obviously, uh, when he was born, his mother died in childbirth mm -hmm. fulfilling part of the prophecy mm -hmm. and when he was 15 he went out with his father on a deer hunt yeah and accidentally shot his father <laughs> his father who was known for his large antlers <laughs> and cloven feet I mean you knew you knew when they started off it was going to be it was going to be a problem look accidental deaths in deer hunts happen all the time <laughs> look at that son of William the Conqueror who was also killed during a deer hunt and okay. then is this is this like a 
Is this like a, oh no, they tripped and fell down the stairs sort of thing? Well, I mean... He died on a deer hunt, did he now? The the son of William the Conqueror who died on a deer hunt was supposed to inherit some large portion Mm. of land and the other son who was also on the deer hunt with him then inherited that large portion of land. So I'm not making any accusations here. She tripped and fell on her own shears. (laughs) Um, So, the Romans were really shocked by the fact that he had killed his father. Mm. Which is fair enough. Um, (laughs) So they banished him. Yeah. And he spent a lot of time sort of wandering around Europe, basically. On a gap year. On a gap year. Uh, oh, I mean, I've, just, I've killed my dad, you know, and so I thought I really need to find myself. So I thought I'd take a gap year. I, I really thought I should find myself. And so I found a bunch of other Trojans. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're wonderful blokes. Yeah. They're wonderful blokes, and uh, I got them all to follow me, so that's all right. Oh, yeah, now we're a little band of mercenaries or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah, It's really spiritual, though, you know? Like, you, you you go into the mercenary life not because of the money or anything like that, because, quite frankly, I don't need any, but you go into it for the experience, you know, and you, you find yourself when you're up to your arms in entrails of your enemies and everything like that. It's just it's just really spiritual, you know? Oh, I totally got what you mean. Like, the other day I was just founding a nation and <laughs> I just thought to myself, like, this is how you attain inner peace. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, so, so Brutus has gone on his gap year. Brutus has gone on his gap year. I mean, granted, he is... 16 at this point so a little early for gap year but you know fair and yeah, yeah. um, he does free a bunch of other trojans oh, who had nice. been imprisoned by the greeks oh what a stand-up guy super stand-up guy he does do this by killing the greeks <laughs> of course or, he does. or at least waging war on them god everyone in this story all the children just want to murder oh your guts to have some murder in <laughs> it's medieval times what are you uh, gonna do yeah fair enough oh what's that line from the lion in winter <laughs> It's the 12th century and we're all barbarians. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, so good. So, um, they all decide they're going to journey west. Mm -hmm. And on his way, Brutus discovered a temple of Diana, the goddess of the hunt. Ah. And And he's like, so I'm going to make a sacrifice to you, but I'm a bit wary of hunts, as you might expect. Yeah, I did kill my dad and then get banished. Yeah. And she's like, that was your own fault, Brutus. No, no, no. This makes sense. Okay, wait. Wait, because the prophecy said that he was going to kill his parents, get banished, and then come to the highest glory, right? Right. So Diana was clearly just helping him out. (laughs) Because you've got to kill your parents to get banished. You see, his, his shot from his bow actually missed his father, but Diana was up in the book depository. Yeah. And she... Uh, no, no, sorry, she was on the grassy knoll. He was yeah. on the book depository <laughs> and, and shot and killed King whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's definitely how that happened. Yeah, totally. Diana was on the grassy knoll all along. <laughs> so, uh, he, he does this whole elaborate ceremony, which we won't go into because yeah. it's long and boring. Yeah, fair um, enough. But Diana ar- appears to him... And replies, Brutus, there lies beyond the Gallic bounds an island which the western sea surrounds. By giants once possessed, now few remain, to bar thy entrance or obstruct thy reign. To reach that happy shore thy sails employ, there fate decrees to raise a second Troy. And found an empire in the royal line, which time shall ne'er destroy, nor bounds confine. 
Oh, that's that's great and everything, Diana, but, uh, you know, I, I just want to go and kill a bunch of people. Don't worry, brave traveller. You can kill a bunch of people on the way. Oh, great, great. That's that's really what I'm into. Ah, oh, you're you're a top you're a top goddess, Diana. <laughs> I'm totally going to sacrifice hundreds of people to you. That's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's kind of buoyed up by this news, yeah. and the good news is he's going west anyways. Yeah. So they carry on, and eventually, Brutus and his men. Travel westwards. Uh, they merrily defeat everyone in their path. They basically go through the south of France, kill a bunch of people, mm. pick up some more Trojans. I've just realised that Trojan is a brand of condom in um, <laughs> America, so it does sound like a bit of a gap year experience. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> We've got to have protection, yeah? No, no, no. But I do I'm mean... already being sued for three chi- child custody things. I literally mean descendants of Troy. Yes. Americans. Out. I literally mean descendants of Troy. <laughs> it's not a brand in the UK. Oh, okay, it. so I, to be honest, I would not have thought of that, but as you say, it's not a brand. I, I was I was thinking yeah. about the whole gap year thing, which is why. Yeah, that makes sense. Um okay, so You got a robber? <laughs> Cause I freed a bunch from the Greeks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, he so he finds new friends, has adventures, and eventually they sail across the shore to England. Right, which isn't called England yet. No, no, Britain. Uh, or it's Albion. called Albion. Albion, yes. So they sail across the sea to Albion. Now, that was a top place. Oh, the tourists haven't discovered it yet. Oh my god, that's so that's so true. <laughs> You look very depressed suddenly. No, no, I'm not. I'm just like, why can't I be that funny? <laughs> so. Oh. So. I want to give you a hug, but you're across the table. So far away. Social distancing. <laughs> don't need social distance. We're one household. Social distancing. Okay, so. You've been using that excuse for four years. <laughs> Geoffrey of Monmouth doesn't actually specify where Brutus came ashore. Okay. We can sort of work it out from things that happen slightly later in the story. Yeah. Um, but I actually happened to stumble upon... Okay. ...the answer... Oh. Uh, ...just last week, when I was on holiday. It was more than last week. Well, yeah, but, you know... I was, yeah, a few um, weeks ago. A few weeks ago. Yeah. I was on holiday. I was in Devon. How irresponsible of you. During a pandemic. Before the lockdown. Yes. Um, <laughs> Let's just make that clear. <laughs> before the lockdown, I was on a holiday and I went to uh, Totnes. And hmm. um, Totnes is basically... Um, it's kind of like a very middle-class mini Brighton. Okay. To describe it. Like, there are a oh. lot... It's very cute. Tiny hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> teeny tiny hipsters there are a lot of like Indian clothing companies mm-hmm. um, selling a lot of like cotton printed things right. yeah, I get and you. like those organic whole food shops yeah like, Brighton you are a parody of yourself yes very and I much say so. this with love as someone who lived near Brighton for many years <laughs> I do love the place but yes you are a parody of yourself oh it's great fun being in Brighton though yeah so Totnes is like that but toned down okay um and I found out that there was a thing called the Brutus Stone. Okay. As part of the history of Totnes, because Totnes claims to be the oldest town in Britain. Does it have any reason for this claim? 
The Brutus Stone is the reason for their claim. They <laughs> okay. say that Brutus landed in Britain at Totnes mm-hmm. and named Totnes, and so that's why it exists. So this has got to be like a special stone or something. Has it got like his footprint in it? Or did he carve something in it to be like, this is the first stone I stepped on seriously? Uh, really, honestly, love Brutus? No. XX? No. XOXO? No, it's just a stone. Okay. It's in the pavement. <laughs> it's got a really big sign over it that's uh, that's been painted onto the shop wall. Yeah. Uh, that says Brutus Stone. Okay. So what differentiates it from any other stone? Okay. So we know that this is an important stone that is called the Brutus Stone because mm-hmm. of things that are in the town's like history, naming this stone as the Brutus Stone, the stone that Brutus stepped on. Okay think it's made up what gives you that impression well because from the sounds of it it's just a rock i think someone was trying to promote tourism back many centuries ago okay well okay so come see the brutus stone it's like the um the holy stone of clon rickard from <laughs> father ted yeah i suppose um okay so i'm going to talk about some pros and cons for the brutus stone okay um so first of all i have trodden on the brutus stone i went and stood on it nice um the photo's got a dog in it it's very cute um i will put it up on twitter nice at that time when for Um, good plug good plug i know uh if you want to see a picture of me with a face mask on because i forgot i was wearing it um (laughs) okay so the deal with the brutus stone is i did time the amount of time it takes to get from the river Mm -hmm. to the brutus stone okay it was about one and a half minutes walking (laughs) Wow, so he did a flying leap. Well, maybe he was a giant too. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, of course. You yeah, never know. Yeah. Um, the other thing about it is that it's possible that it could have been named after the town crier. Right. Because... Uh, it's called Brutus? No. In French, uh, bruit, mm. B-R-U-I-T, mm. it means noise. Ah, okay. And so in Norman times, a bruitaire... Mm. would be a noisemaker or a town crier. That sounds more plausible to me. It does, it does. But, you know, the people of Totnes are really proud of their history. We're not going to take it entirely away from them. No, no, fair enough. It's either a town crier spot or where Brutus landed after yeeting himself (laughs) from Like, literally, imagine like a parachute. Yeah. Just like... (laughs) Okay, right. So what did he do when he got here? Well, the giants attacked him when he got there. I mean, makes sense. Um, so, by this point, there weren't as many giants. Mm. Apparently, they'd been infighting. They'd been eating too many acorns. They had. It's like pandas. <laughs> anyway. Giant pandas. Giant pandas. <laughs> ah. So, the main giant to attack them was Gogmagog. Good name. I know, very good. Gogmagog. Gogmagog. I've heard that before. There's the Gogmagog Hills uh, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Oxfordshire, I yeah, think, or maybe like Cambridgeshire. One of the One of the... Shears. One of the... <laughs> uh, I was thinking one of the Oxbridge Shears, oh, right, you know? I see, yes. Um, which is named after him. Mm. Like, those those hills are named after him. Mm. Um, Gog was a character in the Bible originally, and Magog uh, yeah. was his lands. Okay. So we think that the name originally comes from the Bible, basically. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
And Gog Magog was accompanied by 20 other giants. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Brutus, by this point, is, like, super good at destroying everyone in his path because he's (laughs) never failed at fighting. So well, he probably has, but you know, Daddy just comes in and says, so, "Oh no, wait, no, no, that doesn't work anymore." <laughs> That's so sad. <laughs> um, so why did I kill him? <laughs> <laughs> why did I kill him? He used to give me my pocket money, and now I don't have any. Um, so uh, they killed them all except for Gog Magog. Okay. Um, they kept him captive, and that was because Brutus um, really wanted to see what it would look like for his companion Corinius. Um, who, by the way, Cornwall's named after him. Ah. Um, he really wanted to see what it would look like to have Corinius wrestle Gog Magog. That's so sad. That's like a dancing bear sort of situation. I mean, it is a bit Poor sad. Poor Gog Magog. But it is also a bit WWE. I, I suppose so, yes, yeah. The man versus the giant. Yeah, very Braun Strowman versus Rey Mysterio or something. Yeah, and yeah. the thing was that Corinius was super into wrestling people. Like, you've got <laughs> no idea. Like, a smile spread across his face, according <laughs> to the story, at, like, the first mention of this idea, and he's like, yes. Excellent. So, um... When they fight, Gog Magog originally breaks three of Corinius's ribs, but then Corinius manages to hoist him up onto his shoulders and then throws him down onto the rocks below um, in a place that's now known as the Giant's Fall, oh. or was originally known as Gog Magog's Leap. Less of a leap. It's less of a leap. Uh, he didn't jump, he was pushed. Yeah, well, um, he was more sort of like John Cena attitude adjustment mm-hmm. off the edge. The reason why I've included that little bit of story there, like yeah. that little wrestling commentary, yeah. um, was basically because that's part of the way that we know where this happened because right. there are a few places that are called Giant's Leap or Giant's Fall, like mm. even to this day. Um, one of them is near Totnes, mm-hmm. one of them is near Plymouth, and one of them, weirdly is near Dover. Okay. I genuinely thought in my head it was like, and one of them is in this very room. (laughs) (laughs) I never saw that cliff there before. (laughs) I'm imagining it as a sort of Poirot thing. You just take off the Mm moustache. It was Giant's Leap Cliffs all along. (gasps) Do, 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 do. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that's where we're going to leave Brutus, having founded Britain and killed a bunch of giants. And then after that, you know, normal foundation story happens. Okay, so we have to kind of say, you know, this is not accurate. What gives you that impression? Uh, the giants, mostly. Well, the giants um, existed. I've already told you the giants well, existed. Yeah, okay, okay. But so what? we're not like t- trying to tell our listeners that this is solid fact. Okay, well, I'll tell... tell- our- I'll take a step back from it. Yeah. Okay, so no, this isn't solid fact. Mm. I've told you a story, but I think it's an important story for people to know about if they need to know about history. Because when we're looking at medieval people and their understanding of the world, I think often we sort of see history as people learning things, Mm. but we also need to remember the things that they've forgotten or realised were wrong. Mm. Um, And... Sometimes those things can give us a real idea and an insight into why they're acting in the ways that they're acting. Yeah. So we've already talked about how it actually is quite logical for people of the time who aren't aware that, you know, races of giants weren't a thing. Yeah. um, For them to assume that Britain had been ruled by giants because they've got all this different proof. Yeah. And 
the history of Brutus was really believed all the way up into sort of the 1600s almost. Mm. So for generations upon generations, people thought that that was their first history, like Mm. the history of our island. And I think that that's really important if we think about the way that people acted and the way that we still kind of act. And it sort of shows off Britain as like a successor to Troy, which was supposed to be... You know, this great empire that founded Rome. Mm -hmm. And so we're kind of also like a second Rome in that instance because we always want to be Rome. God damn it. God damn it, British people. You just can't go five minutes without trying to just show how wonderful and perfect you are. Yeah. (laughs) God. And, you know, also... British exceptionalism. What's that? (laughs) We're the Trojans. That's why we're so good. That's Mm. why we're so... Robbery. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I also wanted to talk about this because we were thinking that during the lockdown period, Mm. um, we were going to do some little extra short special episodes. Yeah. So we don't have an exact time frame on it yet, but we were thinking about doing some like little extra mini episodes that don't really fall under the general category of what we normally talk about of a week. I've already mentioned in many episodes that at some point I want to go around doing some dispelling of Viking myths. Mm -hmm. And I definitely want to talk about things like the chastity belt and why that wasn't really a thing. (laughs) Um. So we're going to be doing, and like I said, we haven't really got a time frame on it yet, but we're going to be doing some little episodes Mm -hmm. uh, that will be released separately from this. So you'll still get the regular Wednesday episode. Um, but we'll also be sending out these little ones. So this is a good time, if you don't already, to follow us on Twitter at that time when four, uh, or to follow us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple iTunes, mm-hmm. anything like that, just so you can stay updated and we will uh, give you more information as and when. Absolutely. Who knows? Maybe at some point very soon you'll have a sudden bonus little episode drop into your into your Spotify in- playlist. Yeah, I don't know. inbox, something like that. I don't uh, know. But yeah, yeah, at some point. At some point. At yeah. some point soon. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. And also thank you to Kevin McLeod for our theme tune and any other music that we've used. And... Yeah. Yeah, we've already we'll, plugged the socials and everything. We've already plugged the socials. <laughs> um, so we'll speak to you again next Wednesday, if not before. Ooh. Bye.